Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's episode is actually taken from the Miami Video Podcast hosted by my good friend, Ariel Martinez. Now, Ariel actually interviewed me on his show to discuss the whole transition that just happened on my channel. I actually acquired the channel that I originally started that I was hired to host called Kinotika. I was able to kind of bring that up to about 80,000 subscribers over the year and a half, two years that I hosted it and then went on to work for Indie Mogul. If you followed my career, you may have seen that. But I kind of took a break from YouTube over the last year. As you know, if you are an adamant listener of the show, uh, work for my cousins doing video work for Amy and Jordan Demos um, here in Nashville. Well, I've since acquired the Kinetika channel and I own it now. I'm the full owner of the brand. And so I decided to change the name of the channel to my name, Dave May. So if you aren't already a subscriber um, of my new old channel, uh, would you please consider going over to youtube.com slash Dave Mays one, the number one at the end of that URL. I'll link it in the show notes down below. I would love to have you over there, especially if you're a fan of the Golden Hour podcast. If you'd like to watch the video interview of my conversation with Ariel, I'll link the actual YouTube link of his podcast down below in the show notes. And if you're a fan of this show, then I would highly recommend the Miami Video Podcast. Go subscribe in your podcast player of choice or head over to the YouTube channel where you can see all of Ariel's interviews there. He goes in depth to share production practices as well as gets insight and knowledge from industry professionals in the filmmaking community. So if that sounds interesting to you and you're looking for a new filmmaking podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Miami Video Podcast. So without any further ado, let's listen in to my interview with Ariel Martinez, where he actually interviewed me on his podcast. Thanks again, Ariel, for having me. Welcome back to another episode of the Miami Video Podcast. My name is Ariel Martinez. On this episode, we're talking with Dave Mays. Now, we've had Dave on the show before. On this one, though, we're discussing how he recently reacquired his old channel, Kinotika. He was able to get it back, and now he is 100% owner of the channel, what he plans to do with it. And also, we're analyzing what it takes to have a successful YouTube channel. We're discussing the different uh, steps and tactics that you can, one can possibly take, the algorithm, how successful channels have gone down in viewership and how unknown channels have basically gone up. It's very interesting. We have a very interesting and thoughtful conversation regarding this. If you're interested in opening your, starting your channel, your podcast, whatever it is, we're starting to analyze what's going on with the algorithm, with the audience, with retention rate, and all this stuff that we really don't know much about. So we're trying to see how much does the viewership, how much of your content really plays a factor on this, or is it purely the YouTube algorithm, or is it a combination of all of it? So it's a very interesting conversation that we have. We bring up topics that and, and ideas that we really didn't think about before and it kind of forced us to sort of rethink both of our strategies on the show dave is a good friend of mine and i'm super glad i had him on the show um and we had such a great conversation just looking forward to uh to what he does with his channel but anyways i'm done ranting with all that said uh here's my conversation with dave mays all right dave mays you're back with us. Last time you were, you were here, this was the iFilmmaker podcast. Now it's the Miami Video Podcast. I like that. How you doing, man? <laughs> Dude, that's legit. I kind of wore my Miami shirt, too. I don't know if you noticed. I love that. I see the palm trees all over it. Looks really, yeah. really cool. I just picked this Can't up. Can't wait to get at, you out uh, here, though. Just picked this up off, off, off of Ross. Have you ever gone to Ross to get I clothes? Love, I born and raised on ross on. <laughs> i don't know about recently, you but like my mom and my grandma basically ross is like they're like crack cocaine like they go there all the time they're obsessed with ross and coals for the for the sales you can't go to coals like normal price because yeah. it's like overpriced but they always have sales and stuff so it's so funny ross like you go there expecting it's like a treasure hunt you got to go find the hidden gems in there 
Yeah. That's kind exactly. of how I see it. You go there, you're there for hours though. And then you find <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's all these like neon colored, you know, shirts and like purple shirts with these, the most disgusting like design you could ever imagine. But then right next to it is this shirt. I'm like, actually that yeah. looks kind of good. And you kind of think to yourself too, like, am I deceiving myself here? Like, is this just like mediocre? Cause it's next to so many bad shirts. But then you try it yeah. on, it's like, oh, it actually fits well. And I feel like they get you too with like TJ Maxx, Ross, those places, because it's like compare at seventy dollars. I'm like, nobody's buying this shirt for seventy dollars. Like <laughs> I think it's all a scheme. Like this was designed oh, yeah. to be sold at Ross for I think I paid ten dollars for this shirt. Yeah. It was designed to be sold for ten dollars, but the tag is supposed to say, and it's always all these weird brands that you've never heard of, too. It's like Compare yep. it seventy nine dollars. We're selling it for ten dollars. I'm like, I think that's all a scam. I don't know. Have you ever seen those kiosks at the mall where all you see from a distance is sunglasses? There's Ray Ban, Oakley. You see these big brand sunglasses, and then as you get closer, there's small letters on top of the big letters that uh-huh. say compare prices to Ray-Ban, compare oh, prices to Oakley. Nice. So they, it's, it's it's kind of like a draw that gets you where that's you awful. just see the big brands and that's what draws you. But you get closer <laughs> and it's obviously like just something. Now they got you. Now you got to uh, talk to this person that's probably going to approach you. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. That's so annoying. Yeah. Well, Anyways, man, so you've had some big changes in your life. That's amazing. Um, I saw you recently reacquired Kinotika, yeah. uh, your the YouTube channel that you were once the the main host for. You moved on to uh, do Indie Mogul, and then you came back and you said, "I want my channel back." <laughs> well, how did that whole how did that whole thing kind of uh, materialize? Yeah, sure. So um, this last year, I kind of took the year off. um, And I think we discussed this um, previously the last time we talked, but Mm -hmm. I took the year off after Indie Mogul and um, worked for my cousins and did some just commercial work. Uh, Still doing video, lots and lots of video, actually. Um, But it was a really healthy time for me. And I just want to encourage anybody who's listening who maybe is in that creator space if um, they feel like it's taking a toll on their life and their family, then consider taking a break and not worrying about the algorithm and all this and that. Cause like I took a whole year off and I came back like stronger, better, like my marriage is better. I feel healthier. Um, My relationship with my kids is better. Like overall that last year, even though I kind of was kicking and screaming the whole time, not the whole time, but especially the first half. And I remember (laughs) having a phone call with you about this. Um, like two months in, I was really kind of depressed and you really brought something up. You're like, you got to realize that your identity is not in what you do. Your identity is in Christ and it's in who you are as a person and, and who you are to God and stuff. So like, that's right. I really resonate with that. And it was you who kind of pointed that out to me, honestly, Ariel, and I appreciate your honesty, uh, in that way. So, um, that being said, that whole, you know, 2021 for me was a, a very good year, but to go back to what you just said, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I was ho- hosting Indie Mogul, a channel with over a million subs in the filmmaking community, and it was kind of the dream job for a lot of people, I would I would guess, and even f- for myself, obviously, too, like to be able to do YouTube full-time at that scale with a crew, with a set in Hollywood. It was kind of like a dream come true, and I found that it wasn't... Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. It didn't fulfill me, you know, and that's where, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I needed that last year to really kind yeah. of reevaluate my life and, and to go back to God and realize that I get my identity in him. So um, anyways, awesome. I quit my job working for my cousins back in February. I'm still working with them on a contract uh, contract basis, but like I lost all my reliable income Right. I need to figure out how to make money to pay the bills. <laughs> so right. it was just one of those moments where I was just trusting God that he would provide work. And mm-hmm. um, I started doing YouTube again on my own personal channel. And, you know, I had like 6,000 subs there because it was just sitting there for the last four years. And I posted yeah. my music video parodies on there um, okay. over the years. And I was I just started doing some Kinetika videos again, style videos. 
um, which if you're not familiar, Kinotika was the channel I started about four years ago. A company hired me to host it. It was not my channel. I did not own it, but they paid me to host it. And um, Connor McCaskill also helped me shoot and edit that. And he moved back to Tennessee and he started working with me again uh, back in February. And we were just doing the videos and everything was going great. And I was just talking to my buddy, Zach, who um, used to host Kinotika. He was the guy who took over for me when I went to Indie Mogul. And okay. he decided to quit back in December. And he's now working for Matt Diavella doing all his video editing. Not all, but he's one of the editors that's working for Matt Diavella. Um, cool. And so I talked to Zach. I was like, can I, do I have your blessing to like pursue reaching out to Kinotika? Cause Zach told me that they had no plans of like hiring another host. They had no plans on like what they wanted to do with the channel. Um, mm. The owners of the channel just kind of were like, yeah, we're kind of done with it. Like it's not, you know, it, it's not making a ton of money. It's just kind of sitting there. Uh, we don't want to kind of hassle with finding a new host and stuff. Wow. And so I asked Zach, I was like, I know you don't work there anymore, but I just kind of want your blessing on this because he's a good friend of mine. Sure. And he was like, dude, go for it. Like you and Connor kind of created that channel and like there's really nobody else that could take ownership because, you know, I have 200 of my past videos on there. It's like a library of all my right, old right. videos um, and Connor too, who's working with me. So uh, I started exploring that. I, I reached out to my old boss who doesn't work there anymore. But so about a week goes by and he's like, okay, let me just like work some, some negotiating. And so he ended up just uh, reaching out to the owner and um, he like went up the food chain to all the people that, he knew back when he used to work for them and um, he came back and he said, you have full permission to take the channel that, for free um, and wow. we're going to transfer primary ownership over to you. You're the only person on the planet that we would do this to basically because like I kind of started it and they're like, we understand that this will really help you and benefit you. Um, and so we would just want you to have it because we don't want to do anything with it anymore. So I posted my first video this Monday um, as you're listening to this, it's March 25th, but it was this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I changed the name of the channel to Dave Mays. So, um, now like we can talk about that if you want, but yeah. I just felt like the name didn't really mean anything and people, it was just confusing. And I, if I'm going to own it anyways, like I didn't want to have to build up two different brands, the Dave Mays brand and the Kinotika brand. And, um, yeah. Yes, there's like a bunch of videos where I say, this is Kinotika, you know, but I, people can just yeah. figure it out that it used to be a different name and now it's Dave Mays. But it's crazy yeah, so how I, that whole thing unfolded. Yeah, so I, I kind of shut down my personal channel and just kind of, I'm just going full into this channel, which is the Kinotika channel, which has 87,000 subs, I think. So um, hopefully we can get that up to, uh, oh wait, no, is it 89? I don't, I don't know. But we're close to 100, so I'm hoping to hit 100 this year. That's kind of my goal. So, Oh, I'm sure you're going to get that for sure. <laughs> we'll see. But, man, that's that's pretty incredible how that whole thing happened. And, yeah, I could see what they mean by you're the only person since it is essentially all your videos that is up on the channel. Um, yeah. Did they do that with all the other channels that they owned? I don't know all the that channels. you're aware of? Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's only one other channel that I know of, um, and it's called We Talk UAV. A guy named mm -hmm. Alex is the host, and we've been in communication this uh, this last month because he's been a little frustrated with them not paying him on time and stuff. Really? And so I was telling him like, you should just do what I did, like try to get ownership of it. But um, it might be a little different. I tried to get ownership of Kinotika before before Indie Mogul. I tried to get it and it was going to happen. And then at the last minute they backed out and they're like, no, never mind. We'll just keep paying you. And we don't want to, we don't want to give it to you. And I, I was going to pay for it. Like I was going to like give them the revenue for a year or something until I paid off like the value of it. But, um, wow. but yeah, technically um, they gave me the brand of Kinotika cause it's, a, it's actually against YouTube's policy to sell a channel. So, but huh. what you can do is, is transfer ownership of a company to different people. And that can include the YouTube channel. So, um, 
you know, if any lawyers are listening, the Kinotika, the Kinotika brand was given to me. So I own the domain Kinotika.com. Uh, I own the the brand. And then I included with that was the YouTube channel, which I was, I then decided to change to the name Dave Mays. So what was, uh, what was on the website? Uh, they had a, they, they initially wanted to do like a cinema D or cine D kind of new shooter mm, kind of thing. Where, and stuff. Yeah. And so when I first started the channel, part of my contract was that I would write uh, a blog along with the videos and that got, that got old really quick. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so, um, Writing. they ended up, they ended up hiring a writer to write yeah. uh, blog posts alongside the videos I would make, um, and uh but then they ended up just after like a year of doing that yeah. they're like yeah we don't the the youtube channel's doing better and we don't really care so yeah. um so yeah but if you just go to kinotika.com it just forwards to my website now so very cool so now that you have the channel now that you have all your subscribers back what's the plan do you plan on continuing the same path or what, what, do you have anything specific yeah. else planned? I'm kind of picking up where I left off with Indie Mogul. I, I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to do um, that I got a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but I, I did get pushback from uh, Indie Mogul. Um, they wanted me to stay, basically just keep doing what they've been doing, which is great. Like I love the channel and I love what Ted created, but um, I had some other ideas. I, I feel like there's really a hole in the in our niche that can be filled by somebody that's doing a little bit more broader um, appeal topics. That I'm trying to basically find that balance of um, the YouTube genre like style that can hold retention and and have interesting titles and clickable concepts but not be cringy. Mm. So like, that's really my number one goal is to find that balance of like, my personality is a little bit more cringe than the overall market of our niche, I think. And so, um, I've, I've thought for the last couple of years, like I need to start just an entertainment channel, um, right. and basically just target teenagers. Cause I feel like I can perform for teenagers and they would actually like I can work in that market and not be cringy. I mean, it will be cringy, but like, I don't care. Like I, that's just my personality. Um, but I'm not ready to do that right now. Cause I need to kind of like build something that's making money and entertainment channels are, don't make a lot of money. So, um, mm. I feel like I have been given a huge blessing with this opportunity. And yeah. so I'm kind of, I'm going to keep doing reviews and um, different things like that, but I'm also experimenting with finding ways to kind of take it to the next level um, with, with everything. I feel like I've just been doing a lot of studying and of all the channels right now that are kind of big in our niche. And generally like everybody's views are down overall. Really? And I think, yeah. So like, if you look at like potato jet, you would think like he's, He's, he was really – I and by the way, disclaimer for all this. I love all these creators. I respect them extremely. Mm-hmm. Like I, I respect all these people. I'm just being, I'm just being um, observant and constructive criticism sure. uh, here. Um, and I don't, I don't think these decisions that these people are making mean that they're failing. They're probably all making good money still. Right. But that being said – um, but Potato Jet's views are down compared to where they were a couple years ago. Peter McKinnon, especially, his views are way, way down. He has 6 million subscribers and he's kind of averaging 100,000 views a video. So he's not – and his. And if you watch McKinnon's videos with the eyeball or like the understanding of what is working on YouTube, if you were to read the YouTube formula book – or look at what Mr. Beast is doing and what the biggest creators on the planet are doing. McKinnon is not even, it doesn't even seem like he's trying to be a YouTuber. He's just doing the vlogs that he's always done and just kind of being himself and putting himself out there with his personality, which is great. People love it. About a hundred thousand people, a hundred to 300,000 people love that. And that's enough people. If you're getting, if you're getting 300,000 views, a video, 
Like that's a very respectable living that you can make off of that with sponsorships and with the plus his name recognition is insane. So he makes so much money with the products that he sells. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm, this is all my disclaimer to say that I respect sure, him sure. And, and stuff. But that's interesting. I, I've I just like been to know more about that. Uh, what, what, what's going on and in, what's going on here with, uh, everyone's views dropping. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, but I did have two video. I had one video in particular at Indie Mogul that, um, took off like a yeah. wildfire and it was exactly the it was completely strategized based on what i was studying works with youtube with retention and understanding how the structure of a youtube video is to keep people to watch to the end and it's basically having some sort of premise or having some sort of storyline in addition to the review that you're doing that engages the viewers enough to keep them to watch to the end. So the only video that I did for Indie Mogul that was a success in that way was the uh, Mavic or the the DJI Mini versus Inspire Two drone mm-hmm. video, where I took the Ma- the Mini Two and I put it head to head with the Inspire Two with like the X7 gimbal, and then I did like side by side tests and then I color graded them to be as close as possible, and then the premise was. Ted and I were going to watch the footage back and was going to try to see if I could fool Ted into thinking that the mini was actually the inspire and like basically just trying to see if I could trick him into thinking that the cheap $300 drone looks as good as the expensive drone. So that type of content, I feel like in our niche can get cringy really fast because people who take themselves really seriously um, start to get start to like roll their eyes at mm-hmm. the concept like oh i mean this is so stupid mm-hmm. a 300 hundred dollar drone is not gonna look like like they're the ones filmmakers are the ones who are having to explain yeah. to like normal people why a four thousand dollar camera is worth it compared to a nine hundred dollar camera you buy right. at costco so when a youtuber comes along and presents a premise like that it it causes eye rolls but the reason that it worked was because Yes, the concept was kind of silly, but the content was valuable too. Like, uh, you know, I was able to kind of share what I learned and like show some of the tricks I did to make the cheap one look better. And then the fun of like the game show approach of Ted trying to figure out which one was which, like made people interested enough to watch to the end to see if he got them all right. So that's good. That's really yeah, so basically, I, I want to play around with that in our niche some more. And again, with an emphasis on not making it cringy, because I think I did another video that was maybe a little too cringy. That was the iJustine versus Armando mm. video, where I took an I- iPhone versus Alexa <laughs> and um, did some side by sides and, like, you know, did this whole game show thing. And I don't think the edit mm. was very good either. It, um, a lot of that wasn't that was out of my control to the edit on it. My, my first director's cut of that, I feel like would have performed better, but um, basically there there's like definitely a million people that would probably consistently watch a channel that was like doing filmmaking camera gear yeah. stuff that is working in the YouTube algorithm yeah. space, but then is also providing value and information. Uh, Parker Wahlberg or, yeah. or whatever his name yeah. is. He's doing that. He's he's definitely somebody who's been like consistently doing the I mean he literally is doing the pro versus amateur videos or whatever which perform very well and it's for that same reason it, it holds people's attention to the end. And so um I have some ideas that I haven't seen done before. Mm-hmm. I don't want to share them yet because I don't want to give away my secrets <laughs> so but there's I have some ideas uh-huh. basically my problem my problem with a review is like if I talk about a camera, I kind of have to cover almost all of the specs that um, are important, and but not every person cares about every spec. So I, I find in myself, I had to like really be aware of myself when I would watch reviews, especially like Gerald and Dunn. He breaks up his reviews really well with the chapter markers. I think that's a little deadly for the video because. I just kind of look at the chapter markers and just click to where I, I'm actually yeah. interested. So I I only end up watching, he's got a 10 minute video. I only end up watching three or four minutes of it. So I'm trying to figure out like, I do need to provide all that information right. um, 
to get the full picture of the camera. I don't want to just cover three or four things. Maybe I could experiment with that. Right. It's like the three features that I'm interested in, but then that borders on the line of like cringy. It's like, you're not providing enough value here. You're only doing three things, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm trying to f- infuse other elements into it without the cringe factor along with providing all that value somehow. Yeah. So I've got some ideas. But. So I'm not a YouTuber and I'm not, uh, it's funny. I've been saying that for years. I'm not a YouTuber. I, uh, I don't do like reviews like that or anything like that, but, um, I will provide some sort of, uh, uh, consulting if you will. So I recently, uh, recently about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, I got into golf. Golf has basically taken over. Like it's really, it got me hooked. So I started watching a lot of golf videos. The biggest golf channel that I've seen is called Rick Shields. This guy does, compared to his other other golf channels that do, this guy is like the biggest. And one thing that I noticed that he always does, and I haven't seen this on any other channel, is basically he creates some sort of um, attraction for someone for you to view till the end. So if he's comparing two golf yeah. clubs, he'll say things like stick around to the end to see which one of these will win. You know, he it, injecting lines like that yeah. is definitely something that's attractive. I mean, for me, I always catch it. I know what he's doing. I see that, you know. Um and yeah. he always remembers to sort of in the middle of his video, if you're liking this video, go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, you know, things like that. He's very, very good at that. So I definitely analyze that yeah. from a video creator point of view. I see what he's doing. Um, he does it very, very well. He he, What he does well is build tension, kind of like what's mm-hmm. going to happen, you know? Can this driver outdrive yes. that driver? Is this ball going to be the next thing that changes the game of golf? Well, stick around and find out. You know, like things like that um, yes. has been <clears throat> has been very effective, I think, especially for him. I mean, the guy is now over 2 million subscribers for a golf channel, yep. you know, so it's uh, and yep. his. And, I just looked I just looked yeah, at it. That's the guy is doing phenomenal stuff. And mind you, and I noticed from again from a video creator. He only recently started shooting with good cameras. And when I say recently, I mean the last four, five, six mm-hmm. months. Everything he's been doing with iPhones. Like he does his video, he would do his videos with nothing but iPhones. All his B roll, everything, iPhones. Well, I'm coming at all this with the kind of trial and error that I've had over the last five years, four and a half years doing this. And then also just studying mm-hmm. a lot. Like this last year, was a, a study year for me That's of good. like just masterclass on just reading, reading this book, um, the YouTube formula. If you haven't read this or you're not mm. familiar with it, this book um, that I'm holding up on the- camera, if you're watching <laughs> the YouTube formula by Daryl Eves, highly recommend this. Um, it's basically the Bible for YouTubers. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's kind of like, the things he teaches in this are all about retention, click through rate, like how to build tension, like yeah. you're saying, how to like build a, a, a good thumbnail. And just because we're in a professional niche here with the filmmaking community doesn't mean that these rules don't apply. Yeah. And I just keep going back to that um, Inspire versus Mini video because that video, I just remember the analytics when I was working there. It was like we were getting, you know, 70, 80 percent retention. And it blew up. It's mm-hmm. it's close to a million views now. Yeah. And like, that's the only video that we ever did like that. But like, I'm learning that mm-hmm. the cringy, like YouTuber face thumbnails don't necessarily work super well in our niche um, because it's cringy. Like we have so many, let's just be honest, like middle-aged men yeah. who watch this content and like, that's a huge turnoff to them. Um, and so but then also I'm also considering the fact that over the next 10 years, we're going to be getting a bunch of kids coming out of high school and college that are growing up watching Mr. Beast and all this and that. So they're going to maybe not be as triggered by the YouTuber face, Mm. you know? (laughs) So, um, Mm. but that's, that's my key like thing that I've learned recently is like to work well, basically every creator that is very successful in our niche kind of has a little bit of a swag to their content like parker 
Peter McKinnon, mm-hmm. Maddie, like they're all uh, Sam Colder, like they all are kind of aspirational filmmakers in a way because people look to their work as like, oh man, what they're doing is so epic, so cool, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. sexy, you know. <laughs> um, whereas like Potato Jet, Kai W, myself, Jared Polin, like they're all very f- funny, entertainment right. focused. Um, and I mean, Potato Jet has clearly worked really well. Um, but he's actually a very good filmmaker and DP. So, um, he's got that going on. So like, I think I'm decent with shooting, but I'd never care about the production very much. I'm always like, just give me the story. Give me the entertainment. And I think that's where YouTube is. That's the sweet spot for YouTube really. Cause like you said, your golf Mm -hmm. channel, Rick Shields, like any channel outside of the filmmaking tech channels kind of can get away with like crappy cameras in fact i think it kind of enhances the storytelling because it feels more uh authentic more diy kind of um so but with our niche i've found it does kind of have to have a certain level of quality to establish that you're like know what you're doing but i think the problem is all these channels like right now if you just search um Let's just say, for example, the GH6, the Panasonic GH6 just came out. If you just search Panasonic GH6 on YouTube, you're going to find all these channels of all these guys that look like amazing guys. They all have great value. Um, But there's so many channels now that have about 2,000 subscribers that are getting, you know, on a GH6 video, maybe 1,200 to 7,000 views on those videos. And all those new channels that didn't exist four years ago are people that saw what Peter was doing, what Maddie was doing four years ago. And they're like, I can do that. And now they're doing it. Everybody has the exact same mm. set with the wood and the RGB lights and the aperture 120 D. And they're all shooting on the a seven S three or, you know, maybe a C 70 or black magic or whatever. <laughs> and like, there's nothing creative or interesting about that. I think it's valuable to input your opinion and to be yourself and like nobody can be you. So like be yourself and that's totally great. And I don't fault any of these guys and I've been that guy as well. But like um, I think that's the problem with the niche right now is there's so many people doing it because we're all video professionals. Like every single one of those channels are freelance filmmakers who are just like, I'm going to do a YouTube channel on the side while I do my music videos and weddings and whatever. And that's a great way to kind of build a following. And like, if you're doing it specifically to kind of grow your career as a freelancer, then that's great. But for the YouTuber, like I want to be, I I could care less about making movies or commercial projects. I don't want to work with another client for the rest of my life. Like I just want to make YouTube forever. And I love cameras. I could talk about cameras all day. Um, I don't care what camera it is. I'm fascinated by it. And I love picking it up and figuring out how to use it. I don't really care about shooting like epic cinematic stuff. I just like the camera. So like for four or five years, I felt like I was sort of being like told it's not about the camera. It's not about the camera. Like you got to tell a good story or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But I, to me, the story is the camera. I like the camera. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed about the product. Um, And I don't know if that, I don't And that's kind of the problem for me is like, I don't really care to go shoot like Armando Fiera. He would like take an A7S and go shoot a short yeah. film. And then he would like talk about his experience using the camera shooting a short film. But like, I don't care to make a short mm. film. I just want to like make an entertaining YouTube video about the A7S. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, so, I know exactly what you mean. I'm one of those that I love the camera as well. I'm a huge fan of cameras. I own four <laughs> of them for no reason. Uh, but but yeah, I, I can see I can see where you know I'm I'm one of those that say it's about the story, just like you said earlier. Yes. To get that engagement, you need a good story to go with this product that you're about to talk about. Because if you just turn on your camera, put a couple of lights on, and say start talking about the camera only, you're probably not going to get as much yeah. engagement as if you kind of stick a story in there. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like where they're exactly. where they're coming from with that with regards to it's it's about the story. But yeah, like you said No, no. You, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah, no, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, like the story for me is the yeah. camera. That's I th- I feel like people basically what I'm mm-hmm. saying is like I would build the story around sure. the camera. 
uh, and it's like, well, it's not about the camera. Like, go make yeah. something with the camera, and then come back yeah, and tell and us I, what you made. It's and, like, well, I did make something. I made this yeah. video about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, yeah, I think I think um, to Armando's point, like Armando, I've seen his his videos. I don't see them all, but Armando's awesome. Yeah, no, he's great, good friend, and, and um, super talented. I, I think, love him. Uh, yeah. He enjoys making those short films, and that's kind of what it is. Like he exactly. enjoys doing. So he gets this product that. You know, I'm sure he loves and all that stuff, but he goes, let me go do something I love to do and tell you about it in that context. You know, um, if you like doing sports, you go shoot sports with this camera and then talk to us about it. Let us know what it, I like what, what totally. Matt Johnson is doing. Matt Johnson gets his camera and gives it its, yes. its review from a wedding filmmaker's point of view. So those are the things mm. that kind of people want. And he likes weddings. He like, <laughs> I've interviewed <laughs> I've interviewed him on my show as well okay. and we're good friends. And, um, and he, I was like, there was a point where in our interview where I asked him, I was like, so do you like shooting weddings? He's like, I love it. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it's, it was an interesting thing. He actually really enjoys it. He has a great business doing it. And you're right. Like he comes at it from that perspective yeah. and that makes his content very, very specific. specific. And he, he gets, he gets work, um, from his channel too. Cause people, He's like, you'd be surprised, like brides and, and grooms will just like be searching on YouTube for like wedding filmmaker that works on yeah. YouTube. And then all my videos show up and he books clients from people who aren't even filmmakers just because he's so ingrained. In I mean, it, it, that's why so. it helps out me and he and I did an episode on my on my podcast talking about commercial clients compared to um, residential clients or, you know, individual clients. I guess that's a huge benefit for him and having his channel is because just about everybody that watches yeah. his show could be a potential client. It's not the case for me because I'm more my commercial clients are not going to be looking at my channel because I'm not catering to them. I'm catering, you know, I'm talking about stuff that people that want to be YouTubers want to talk about. So it's yeah, it's, that's a very big plus for him. But either way, he he's doing great work and again is very niche based and um and he's kind of he's uh he's doing just a yeah, fantastic work. He's also a funny dude. A hundred percent. Super funny. Love that guy. Yeah, and again, I just wanna reiterate that um anything that may be taken as criticism is constructive yeah. and it's not uh by any means accusatory. I'm good friends with Armando, yeah. I'm good friends with like a lot of these people that I've mentioned, I know personally, um, I would love to if any of them wanted to re if they're listening to this and they want to reach out and be like Hey, you know what? You're kind of right about this. Like, how can I change this sure. or that or whatever? I I love the YouTube so so much, and I feel like it's kind of um, I'm not I don't know many guys in our niche that love like genuinely love yeah. YouTube. So, and that's the kind of my problem is like, am I in the wrong niche? You know what I mean? Like, with this type of passion and energy, if I put it towards a different niche that we're talking instead of. 100,000 views as kind of your barrier of sure. success. We're talking millions yeah. in a different niche. Like I, that's been my kind of internal struggle is like I through and through feel more passionate about being an entertainer okay. than anything. Um, but I just happen to love cameras and technology. So you, th I've kind of just been thrown into that. Yeah. Niche. I'm pretty sure that there is a way you can combine all of that. So for example, I, for me, I'm a, I'm more of a sort of professional in the sense that I I do commercial work, I do big events, and I have a whole team of people that I, I coordinate with. So I'm in the more of the professional sort of level. I'm not really in the YouTuber type of level. This is really more extracurricular activity for me, um, having the podcast mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I'm I would I'm what you would call one of those viewers that really doesn't pay attention to the entertainment side of of camera review. So I gravitate more toward Gerald Undone anytime a camera comes out because yep. I want to know everything about this camera inside and out. Me too. You I know. And so that that's the guy to go to to know everything about not to be entertained. So I don't list. I don't look at a uh, potato jet. I don't look at other channels that more make it a, into a show 
more personality right because that's yeah. not what i'm interested i'm interested in the information now not every viewer is going to be like me but i'm doing it to see how this can benefit my business you know what i mean so i want to see it from yeah. a professional point of view that being said i really <laughs> i love i i really enjoy casey's videos camera conspiracies that guy is hilarious yes. <laughs> so when i, I only want saying, to be entertained I'll go watch Casey because he is just funny with all his antics. It's just hilarious to watch. Well, you know, even though, sorry, I think even the difference, though he's probably one of the most least qualified and he even says it himself to like review cameras. <laughs> I don't go for him yeah. for the information. I go for him to him for the entertainment of talking about these cameras. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. Camera conspiracies. I love that channel. And I think the the great thing that you pointed out is like, he kind of has this understanding that, uh, like, you know, going into it, that it's uh, yeah. a meme, you know, the whole thing, oh, yeah. the whole entire thing, every video is is a joke. So um, that's the difference is like, yeah. in the past, I've tried to experiment with jokes, but then I also do real right. videos. So it kind of splits the audience kind a little of. bit. So, um, yeah, but this is all interesting yeah, right? data it's for me to, to listen to, though, because... I think that's like been my struggle is like, I feel like people in our niche really just take themselves very seriously and that's not bad. And they just want to kind of come here, come to listen to the specs and look at the reviews and they don't want to fuss around with anything that gets in the way of the information that they're coming there for. So, um, and you look at like MKBHD, for example, he's the biggest, you know, tech reviewer on the planet, I guess, um, him and Linus tech tips. And, um, you know his stuff is extremely valuable he always comes at it from like a certain angle he's always got um just great value that he's adding and it's not like entertaining in that way that you would consider like a a comedy show but it is entertaining for tech enthusiasts uh, yeah um, yeah but he doesn't do anything that is kind of like outside the bounds of like i don't know i mm -hmm. i don't see it's entertaining in that I love the shots that he has all the time. He always has great shots of the products. He he he's able to formulate Yeah. He's able to formulate his point in a very efficient way that it's easily consumable. So it kind of works for him. And anybody yeah. that wants to know anything about the next iPhone that's coming out, that's the guy to go to and get his review on that. Just like totally. any camera, Gerald is the guy to go to get really the 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 main meat and potatoes of this new camera, you know. So, mm. um, yeah, they're they're and li- huh. I think line. I I feel like I relate more to kind of Linus tech okay. tips. I don't know if you've ever watched. I've Linus, heard of him, but like he he does a very kind of high level tech stuff often, where he'll like do a whole breakdown of like his IT setup with servers and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but yet he keeps it highly entertaining somehow. So. Um, and then he's got multiple hosts and like a full, you know, massive crew. I think he's got like 30 or 40 employees now. Wow. Um, writers, shooters, it's really well shot. I think that's the, the underlying thread for a lot of the biggest creators in the tech and camera space is like, it kind of needs to be shot well because it, it kind of goes alongside the product of like. This proves that we know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, a thousand things. Then with within that, you can be yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely uh-huh. agree. Um, yeah, it's after a certain point, it's still very much about the story, but there's something that you have to have that quality there because once I start watching a channel, if I'm looking for something that's not really that's there's not much out there about it, I'll go in. Like I, like the other day, I was looking for a tripod review on a certain tripod, and I go out and I notice there's not that many reviews out there on this particular tripod. The ones that are out there is like oh, I would say like 50 views, uh, you know, a shot on a flip phone maybe, you know, just awful, <laughs> awful well, quality. Uh, but you know, it's it's the only thing that was out there. Uh, but uh, it's just mm-hmm. uh, you could absolutely tell. And and obviously, if I have options, I had to watch it because I didn't have any other options. But if I had options, I'm always going to the. I gravitate to the one that has a nicer first frame. You know, that has a nicer yeah. uh, opening. I don't you know. know. It's just one of those that you're bringing up a. Uh-huh. Good- 
Sorry, sure, I keep sure, cutting sure. you off here, but I'm I'm uh, inspired by what you're saying because again, you're kind of bringing up some uh, some interesting like um, research mm-hmm. for me because there is another route you could take that doesn't require um, a big epic, you know, crazy use YouTube kind of idea, and that is the kind of I don't know if you're familiar with a channel called Think Media. They talk about YouTube I love stuff. Think Media. And I've, had, I've had Sean Ken on my on the podcast. okay yeah sean is awesome he's a believer yeah yeah. Yeah. awesome guy i've met him a couple times at like nab and stuff and um uh anyways their approach is kind of the shotgun approach where they're kind of reviewing every camera that would be interesting in their niche talking about almost every topic within their niche you know posting five videos a week basically like and maybe they're only getting, you know, 10,000 views a video for a 2 million sub channel. But if they're doing five videos a week, you know, I think that's, I don't think they're actually doing five, but let's just say they do yeah. three a week. Um, collectively over time, that adds up to a lot of views. They have a massive library that is completely just locked into the YouTube like search algorithm. And so when I hear you say that, I could take another approach, which is I just review every freaking thing I could possibly yeah. get my hands on with my mindset of like trying my best to keep it entertaining, but also informative, well shot, well made, and just have a shotgun yeah. approach of like every product. That way it's just like Dave May's like archive mm-hmm. just has everything you could possibly imagine. But that's not playing the YouTube game in the way that it's being played yeah. these days, which is high level concept, good thumbnail, good you know, overall story that holds yeah. your attention to the end. So I don't know, maybe that's like a website where it's like a, a Patreon thing. Like you subscribe to a Patreon and I review, you know, 20, 30 products a month uh, on that, you know, which would be exhausting. Well, they would have to be like <laughs> low scale in terms of like quality. You just set it unless you have a set that you could just yeah. go and have there always only for that channel. Yeah. One of my favorite Maybe that could that could be a separate yeah. channel. No, no, Maybe. definitely. One one of my favorite channels, uh, especially when I was starting off, um, was Film Riot. Film Riot. I started on Film Riot. Yeah. And Ryan, you Connelly, know what's funny? Baby. I had and I had Ryan on the show as well. Um, what's funny is that I don't do VFX. I don't do these Hollywood movies. I don't do narratives. I really don't. I also I just really aside from the fact that you know they were helping uh, the uh, the in, the episodes that they had where it was how to light for an interview you know um, the camera reviews uh, lighting techniques audio techniques things like that equipment stuff things that really mostly pertain to me um, I love to watch uh-huh. those the most more in depth put it that way. But then what kept me on the other ones was their antics, their skits that they do all the time. It's hilarious. Totally. And how they made their ad reads so funny. I actually wish they would bring those back. But actually, <laughs> I think they're coming back with that a little bit because uh, they, their, their, their ad sponsor ads started becoming funny again. I love the when 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 Josh would yell from behind the camera and some funny stuff there, and he, in the middle of an ad read, and he would interrupt Ryan. Their little back and forth is just really really funny. Uh, uh, Ryan's amazing, and yeah. his channel is crazy, and he's been a good friend yeah. over the years. And he was partly like when I got the offer to work for Indie Mogul, I tapped into him. I called him up. I was like, "Can I? Should I do this?" And he kind of told me that yeah. I should um, even if it's only for a couple of years and he's kind of been like because he's really the only person that I can think of that in our niche has been around kind of since the beginning and has had really good success um, he's always been like somebody I really look up to and respect and um, you're right like he kind of yeah. balances the YouTube vibe with the filmmaking niche he's- I'm looking at his channel now and like his thumbnails look very cinematic but they're also very clickbaity also but they're so that he's doing the sort of like the youtube yeah. thing but it's not cringy because sure. it, it looks more yeah, cinematic their, their stuff is um, phenomenal and i know that they've been really putting a lot of effort into making all these downloadable packs these audio packs these sound packs these graphics uh-huh. that you can download on their store they've been doing a, just a great job for a very long time totally and they've been very consistent with all that yeah, and they, um, yeah, 
So yeah, I mean Ryan doesn't just do indie uh, or not indie mogul film riot. Um, he's also he owns a couple other channels and he has a gaming. Yeah, they have the variant channel and a, a com- Yeah, the comic yeah. book stuff. So I think those are a little more. I think he might have more YouTube success with those technically Probably. in terms of views. He's doing but, what he loves. Though. Um, he loves the film the riot, film riot yeah. one. So I, I want to go back to a little bit and discuss a little bit of the. Uh, you mentioned that the views are down all across the board with all these channels. Um, and I'm wondering if, because I, I have noticed a shift, like, let's say, for example, Peter McKinnon. I have noticed a mm-hmm. shift in his content in the past year or two, where it's mm-hmm. a lot less educational stuff and a lot more of what he loves you know, could mm-hmm. you, the personality the kind stuff. of stuff, yeah. vlogging stuff, and and same thing with same thing with Maddie as well. So, um, I was yeah. trying to find a review on a camera. I forgot which one it was. Maybe A seven S three when it came out or whatever. And it was a ten minute video, mm-hmm. but the first six seven minutes of it was just vlogging. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is why I I, like, I hate uh-huh. to say yeah. it, but. I yeah I, I, I relate to that. I was looking at his review of the R5C, and he didn't actually start talking about the camera until about five minutes mm-hmm. and sixty eight sec or five minutes and thirty eight yeah. seconds in. Um, and yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, what was your yeah, question? Yeah, no, no, and I'm, I'm trying on I'm that trying topic. to see if uh, could this play a role, and I'm I almost know the answer into like the viewership, you know? Because I even read in the comments mm-hmm. where it's like, man. When are we, you know, when are we either getting to the, to talking about the camera or this was like a 10 minute video, only two minutes of this 10 minutes was about the camera. And then like Peter McKinnis is like, yeah. uh, I didn't see anything in the comments. I mean, don't get me wrong. The content that even Peter's talking about these coffee makers that are very unique. You've never heard or seen of these things. Very cool. It, yeah. it actually, when he posts it on social media, cause um, I don't watch it on YouTube, but when he posts it on social media, I actually kind of I am interested in knowing about this coffee maker. It's pretty cool stuff, but it it doesn't bring me value. It brings me now more entertainment than anything. Um, if yeah. you're in in you know if you're into that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I definitely yeah. no notice the shift in content is what I, what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm I'm no like crazy expert here, so you know. Um, that's my disclaimer. But based on my experience uh, being, you know, hosting Indie Mogul and having some success there and with Kinotika and then also just doing a lot of research mm-hmm. on this exact topic, because I'm trying to figure it out too, because I'm in this niche. So I'm literally trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I think a lot of those guys are kind of doing what Casey Neistat did four years ago. And that doesn't work anymore. Like, that's not how YouTube functions anymore. And the reason it works so well with Casey Neistat is because at the time YouTube was um, encouraging creators to post more frequently rather than having banger videos once a month. Mm. So it would actually be better for Peter to spend, again, this is just from a YouTube viewership perspective. If we're talking yeah. like if Peter McKinnon wants to get 10 million views on a video, he could because he has all the connections. Imagine if Peter McKinnon tapped into the potential of what he has, the the access that he has with Casey Neistat, with Mr. Beast, with MKBHD, creating something in the YouTuber space with his giftings as a filmmaker and being in the filmmaking yeah. niche. He's able to do that crossover if he wanted to and potentially do a video that would blow up and be astronomical in terms of views for our niche. Yeah. But he's not doing it. And I think it's because um, maybe if he listens to this, he'd be like, Oh yeah, I could do that. (laughs) Maybe he just hasn't thought about it, but also I think they're just focused on building their community and what they're doing with these vlogs, I think is beneficial um, to create kind of super fans where Maddie and Peter and potato jet are creating these vlogs and the people who do the views might be lower than if they just did one banger video Mm -hmm. a month, they got millions of views but what they've done is they've kind of created a community of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who are actually invested in their lives mm-hmm. and like really kind of 
into the reality TV aspect of what they're doing. And those are the super fans that will buy the shirts and the backpacks and the Mm -hmm. LUTs and the things that they sell. Um, And probably long term is um, a good strategy to have because um, overall, you know, the next decade of their life, if they're able to kind of sustain a a very solid fan base, they can make a living, you know, for the rest of their career because these people are super fans, just like, you know, if you listen to Van Halen, anytime Van Halen was in your town, you're going to go see him, you know? So, um, anyways, I think that's ultimately what they're doing is they're creating those super fans, but from a YouTube perspective, if you're trying to play the YouTube game, what they're doing worked uh, 45 years ago when Casey was blowing up, when Logan Paul, Jake Paul were doing the daily vlogs. Basically, that's when Peter McKinnon blew up was during that yeah. era. So I think Peter's sort of like he was like infusing tutorials and education with a vlog. And that's how he got people hooked on his content because he's a great on-camera personality it's super engaging. Like if you watch him as an entertainer and a, a person, it's easy to get kind of addicted to the McKinnon like personality. Cause you're just like really kind of hooked on it. And so yeah. now I feel like he's kind of gone the other way a little bit where it's all personality with very, yeah. you know, not a lot of focus on search traffic yeah. and like, I'm going to talk about this thing that can maybe actually help somebody. Yeah. Um, he does again, I'm not saying he doesn't, review stuff and do tutorials because he does still do tutorials and reviews but it does seem like generally he's basically just doing vlog content Mm -hmm. which means that he's building a a solid fan base but he's not necessarily playing the game of like trying to get a million views of video um so it's just two different strategies um the mr b strategy is a very young man strategy single non-married like his goal is he's only 23 years old you know jimmy or 24 i think um and so he's not married doesn't have kids like he's really young and he's been doing this for a decade now um and he's just driven to get the most views possible he's spending every dollar he makes on the videos um and that will probably work out for him well as he ages and matures because he'll have gathered hundreds of millions of people that are his fans that will, you know, he'll be able to do TV shows. He'll be able to do more YouTube as it, you know, matures over the next decade, 20 years from now. Um, But what McKinnon and and Maddie, in in my opinion, are doing is they're creating a longevity approach, which is like, they're not super focused on super clickbaity things. They're not super focused on what everybody else is doing in terms of just reviewing and doing tutorials and things. In fact, you could argue that you could get all that information from other people that have two or 3000 subscribers, because that's kind of a quick and easy way to blow up is to talk about something that's trending or to talk about a technique that people need to Mm -hmm. learn. I would argue that if they did that, they would continue to grow Mm -hmm. a little bit more Um, And I would also argue that they have a great opportunity that I don't think they're taking advantage of with the connections they have. Um, But um, that being said, uh, I think they're, it seems like they're pretty happy with how things are going. And I know McKinnon is making millions of dollars. So um, (laughs) I I think he's totally fine. And he's a a husband and father too. He's got kids and like, so he's treating it like a job. Yeah, you know, and, so. and I've told people, um, I've told people that it's not easy to to build content. So I had uh, I had a client that wanted to start their channel, start their podcast, just like I'm doing mine, and do all this. this, this, this. I know the client very per- you know, on a personal level as well, and I told them, look, I could tell you that even if I was to um, do all the work for you, I do the shooting, I'll do the editing, um, I'll do the uploading, I'll do the description, everything for you. What I cannot do for you is something that you're going to have to kind of commit to uh, doing consistently. And that's going to be difficult. Even that alone is going to be difficult for you. And that is finding your topics, finding your guests, all this stuff that takes work as well. 
and I'm telling you this from experience because I've been doing my podcast for three years. It is time-consuming to try not only physically but mentally. These are things that you have to think about on a week-to-week basis. Um, when I started my yeah. podcast, <laughs> I started doing three episodes a, a week. You know, three three episodes a week. And I was doing, I, I don't know how long I, that lasted for. It lasted for a good amount of time, put it that way. But it made it, it made it, first of all, it made it much easier when I had a, a static co-host, you know, much easier because I don't have to go look for a mm-hmm. host. Hey, let's get on. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Right. Not a problem. Great. Yeah. Now, what else? Uh, then we went down to two episodes. Now I'm down to one. Now I'm down to whenever I can type of deal. But again, it's not my podcast wasn't really mostly about bringing me money or anything like that. It was really more to put out information to connect. Uh, it has brought me good indirect work, but that was never the goal. Um, but yeah, so I know firsthand. And on top of that, I was on. I was. I, I was the DP for the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall, Fred Taylor, Chad Ochocinco, and Channing Crowder. Uh, those guys kind of broke up already, and I'm working with the Pivot podcast now, which is only Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder. Um, but now, <clears throat> but when they were I Am Athlete podcast, they once had Jake Paul as the as the as the guest. And they asked, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and they asked Jake. This is when Jake was like really getting into boxing and whatnot. He already had like what two wins already, but with like no name people essentially. Um, okay. And they asked him yeah. the question: What's harder, boxing or YouTubing? He said, "YouTubing, hands down, way harder." <laughs> and I was probably the only one because I, you know, I know all the guys and whatnot, and they're all pushing back I'm like, "No way, man! Football's way hard." And listen, I played football myself. I played in college. I, you know, I, I kind of know what they kind of entails to to be a football player. But YouTubing is harder, bro. YouTubing, it's harder <laughs> mentally. Mentally, it takes a toll. Yeah. That's why there's YouTube burnout. You've never heard of football burnout. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. We have two days. Like we we go through all that stuff. Again, I've done them both. YouTubing in the capacity, put it this way, in the capacity that Jake Paul was doing it. We're talking daily vlogs, daily videos, yeah. all this stuff. To have to think about that mm-hmm. kind of content, what's engaging, what you know, all these lines, what Rick Shield does to to make sure you you put that line in there to to stay tuned to the end all this stuff all the stuff that goes into making a youtube video engaging not just putting any video up make it engaging make it attractive make more people want to watch there's no end to that it's yeah. a bottomless pit nothing nothing uh, is going to fill that you know so it's a non-stop thing so youtubing is is there is very real burnout that ha- that goes with that. That's why for you, it was very good that you took a whole year off to take a break, to kind of reanalyze, recalibrate yourself. And I would even advise every YouTuber to purposely plan a break, plan a month where you're just off of YouTube yeah. for 30 days. Take 30 days, go on a trip, recalibrate yourself, Come, you know, and then get back to it. But I think that that's essential. Yes, in 30 days, you might get a few people unsubscribe or whatnot, but you're refreshed. You can come back with clear mind, you know, think of new topics. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean don't think of anything. If something pops up in the top of your head, something like, man, this would be a great video, write it down. I'm sure every YouTuber does that. I do that. Um, yeah. But, Hundred percent. Write it down. Put it away. Enjoy your vacation. Enjoy your days off. Enjoy your family. Enjoy whatever it is. Travel, but you have to step away. You need that break because if not, it's just going to be detrimental. You're just continuing to to try and fill a bottomless pit that's never going to be filled. You know, it's just you need that refresh. Yes. So that's what I mean. I would highly recommend a lot of YouTubers to do that because that's just, it's going to happen. It's not when, it's not if, it's when. So, Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Yeah. I um, I mean, I've, I've never, I was never an athlete. I was in marching band. So I was one of the nerds that <laughs> yeah, you would make no, fun of as you walk listen, past I them. would, I, But 
that was hard too. toughness and mental toughness is they're very two different monsters i would take physical toughness over any any mental toughness anytime just because you know i was kind of bred that way but um mental toughness and 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 mental capacity to kind of think of all these things and not drive yourself nuts it's 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 tough it's a real <laughs> thing um so you know that reminds me that reminds me of a pirate um he had a steering wheel stuck in his crotch and he said arg it's driving me nuts <laughs> <laughs> i think that's so. a good ending to the episode <laughs> Have you heard that I joke? Don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good ending to the show. <laughs> to the there episode. <laughs> Dude, so where, can, where, yeah, where can everybody find all of your stuff, the new channel and all that? Um sorry for the sound. It sounds like my VHS player just started rewinding itself. I don't hear it. Um Dave Mays. D-A-V-E-M-A-Z-E. Um I was going to do this Dave Mays 222 thing because it was like a number that was special to me and my wife. But then I acquired that URL for my personal channel and then I got Kinotika and now I deleted it from my personal one. But for some reason, like in their system, it hasn't like gone back on the market. So it's actually Dave Mays one. Like if you go to youtube.com slash Dave Mays and I just added the number one. So because some joker has the URL you know, youtube.com slash Dave Mays. I need to figure out how I can get a hold of that. But uh, anyways, no. yeah, just search Dave Mays and it'll pop gotcha. up. So awesome. I'm going to be putting links to that on the show notes for this episode. But dude, thanks so much for coming on and sharing awesome. your story. That was awesome. Thank you, Ariel. It was a pleasure. It was super fun. Uh, and yeah, go check out the Golden Hour podcast as well. I host that each week with different guests. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. So there you have it. I hope you liked that conversation. I hope that it sparked some thinking on your part regarding YouTube channels and how to start one, how to build one, how to retain one. It's definitely no walk in the park. It's very, very hard work. But anyways, I hope you guys were able to walk away with some good knowledge on this episode. And I definitely look forward to Dave Mace coming on the show again. Uh, I'll be putting links to all of his channels and links and content on the show notes for this episode so you know where to find those until next time my name is ariel martinez and thanks for joining us on the miami video podcast